Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. We're talking today about resilience. Resilience is one of the single most important factors of success. Whether you're an athlete, a corporate leader, everybody in between needs to develop resilience. Resilience is not necessarily something that we have instinctually. Some people seem to have more of it than others, but it is something that all of us learn to develop over time. The sooner you learn to be resilient, the sooner you will find you are more successful and you are happier. We're always dealing with a series of adversities, problems, things that come at us. And yet how we deal with that is crucially, crucially important. Arthur Golden has a quote that I really like. He says, adversity is like a strong wind. It tears away from all of us, but the things that cannot be torn so that we see ourselves as we really are. Resilience in the face of adversity is extraordinarily important as leaders. How do you deal with adversity? So today, along with my panel, let's talk about resilience. First, Jennifer Collins. Hello. Hello, Jennifer. Are you resilient today? Absolutely. You're ready to bounce back from whatever it is? <laughs> That's for sure. And we have Drew Bordis. Hello. Also here. Are you resilient today or also, not so much? No, I'm good. I'm resilient today. Not always, just today? Not always. Okay. And Tammy Spade, who today is the definition of resilient. I am. Do you feel that way? I do. I've just I declared it. So, yes, yeah. that's perfect. I like it. Well, you're bouncing back from a sickness. I am. I am. Fortunately, not a serious one, but yes, a cold thankfully. or what have you. Yes, so yes. We, are, uh, we are here in the studio and we are all resilient. You know, we think about resilience and this Arthur Golden quote that I talked about, adversity is like a strong wind. Adversity and facing adversity is often what shows people that you're resilient. And we see people, whether they're dealing with an illness, whether they're dealing with a crisis, whether they're dealing with a physical issue or whatever, that's when we see resilience. But resilience is actually with you all along. And how you bounce back from things is so incredibly instructive to others in terms of how you will respond and lead. I think about interviewing Lee Woodruff. Lee and her family went through an extraordinary experience in resilience. You remember uh, now quite a long time ago, I guess, a number of years ago, her husband, news anchor Bob Woodruff, suffered a traumatic brain injury in Iraq. And he had just succeeded Peter Jennings at ABC. And it was a horrific uh, accident and the experience. And I interviewed her and I learned really this remarkable way that she had um, and, and her family about bouncing back, about uh, responding to life. And I learned these incredible lessons from Lee. You know, she was always looking for connection. She was always looking for a place to connect with others. She was always looking at um, how you handle adversity. She said, everyone will experience loss. I remember her saying, and this is a quote of her, she said, we are all made of incredible stuff. We are all built to survive, which just really struck me as powerful because some people don't feel like they're made of incredible stuff and built to survive, but instead are ready 
to crumble. And she had this positivity about you will make it through whatever challenge you're facing. And she, she here's another quote she said. She said, when bad things do happen, it's the people around us who pull us through. She was always surrounding herself with people that would help out and help pull her through mentally, physically, or anything else. And she had this insatiable way of looking at people and finding good in everyone. So all of us will not face a, a serious issue like this, hopefully, a brain injury that Bob Woodruff had, and he has an amazing foundation, the Bob Woodruff Foundation. And yet it's in these moments that we learn about what we're made of, that we learn how to deal with resiliency. And in the world today, we're all dealing with a variety of challenges. And so whether it's economic loss, whether it's stress, whether it's job loss, whether it's this COVID-19 virus situation or, or health issues, all the things that people could face it's developing this resilience, the fact that we are all made of incredible stuff. We are built to survive. And so how do we survive and how do we handle adversity and develop this resilience inside of all of us? This is, to me, one of the most important success factors for people. If you want to aim higher, you have to be able to bounce back, to be resilient, to define yourself in a way that says, no matter what comes at me, I am going to push on and do things. I think about athletes that I've interviewed and their success in pushing through, whether it's going 2,000 miles on the Appalachian Trail. Jennifer Farr Davis did. She had all of these adversities coming at her. She was struck by lightning. Didn't stop her. She still broke the record. Whether it was people telling her, no woman has ever been able to beat the men at this record. She said, you know, whatever. And she reframed it and moved on. Whether it was being, uh, you know, bit by insect, on and on and on. I mean, just horrific thing, bouncing back this resilience, this determination to hit the goal, to break through and do things that others won't. And I, I love to watch people who are resilient uh, deal with this, whether it's loss of a loved one, whether it's a health injury, whether it's a business challenge, whether it is dealing with a crisis, whether it is all of these things, right? We all face it. How do we handle it? As the saying says, a little rain falls on us all. So we all will face it to varying degrees, we will all face adversity and challenge. How do we become resilient? And then even more importantly, how do we as leaders model resilience? Because this is important to us all. So we're going to talk about resilience with this great panel today. And I just want to get into this powerful, powerful quality of personal resilience. Let's talk about personal resilience to start and I want to just ask about that. So personal resilience, something you can develop or something that you're born with or a little bit of both? What do you think, panel? I'd say a little bit of both, I think, because there's our personalities are, are going to be different in, in the first place. But I think the experiences you have can kind of sharpen that stick, so to speak, over time. So the, the more, you know, you don't want to have a lot of practice with failure, but you have to have failed at something to understand how to bounce back from it or how you're going to respond to it or how you're going to share your feelings with others. You know, you have to have those experiences to really be good at it, I guess, if you can be good at this type of thing. Yeah, I think there are people who probably are more naturally resilient and you might even notice it in childhood. You know, you might see a child that bounces back more quickly. I do think that there's a choice element to resilience at some point in the process. It's important to remember that 
one person can face a situation, another person can face the same situation, and their path to resilience might be different. So while, Drew, you might be resilient more quickly, someone else might need more time to process. I think the key point is just not getting stuck for too long and continuing to move forward, even if it's in little bits. Yeah, you think about how much a person grows when they go through an experience like that and just being able to understand themselves and maybe what their threshold is and being able to accept that I don't have control over this thing or I can change this or can't change that and and having that wisdom to know what you can or you cannot change. I interviewed two people a while ago. I'm thinking of uh, Dr. Everly. He was teaching at Johns Hopkins and Loyola University of Maryland and Dennis McCormick, one of the original Navy SEALs uh, who actually pioneered the SEAL combat doctrine and tactics in Vietnam. They said their definition I love, resilience is the ability to personally rebound from adversity. And of course, we're all dealing with adversity all the time, particularly in the era of coronavirus. But they also said this. They said that resilience can be a trait that we're born with, kind of echoes what you were saying. But for most of us, for most of us, it is learned. And their research suggests that it's not age-dependent. So I was often thinking that resilience was something that you develop with age. Because as I've, as I've interviewed you know, over 1,000 people, I see people who, I don't want to say older, but they've been through much more and they tend to be more resilient because you know, their experience set is different. It's not like we've, you know, there's sometimes when people say, well, we've seen that before and they're shutting down things and that's negative. But many times when they say, well, we've seen that before, and then it's, we can deal with this. I have experience with this. And, and they develop resilience. So I was thinking when I was talking to them, I thought, well, the more resilience would come with age. Their research is suggesting that it's not necessarily age dependent. You can learn to be resilient at any age. And I, I suppose we all know people that model that and that we've seen, you know, okay, you're resilient and you're you're 20, but maybe you've gone through more. Maybe you've seen more because that's you know, life's adversity is not always thrown at us in equal measure uh, by age demographics as as people may think. So I would have to agree. When you that. think about the SEAL training, right, what are they training yeah. them to do? Like That's it right. isn't just physical fitness. It's, it's dealing with severe adversity, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. Physical, mental, putting them through that. You cert- They certainly don't want the first experience of this adversity to be yeah. in a life and death situation where – Whole teams are at risk because they have not been ready for adversity. So yeah, Dr. Everly is the one of the founding fathers of modern stress management, and uh, Dennis being an original Navy SEAL. I mean, what a great combination to think about that and to say resilience is the ability to personally rebound from adversity. You know, I also think about this, to personally rebound from adversity. Right. Mm-hmm. Resilience is very personal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and if your leader can be resilient, then you can or anybody on that team, you can you can then impact everyone else to also be resilient. Right. When you see somebody who's demonstrating courage in the face of adversity, it brings the whole team, doesn't it, with you? I mean, we've seen that. Versus if somebody's panicked, it can it can lead you the other direction. Leadership is all about helping people rebound and push through that. Sometimes it's Someone who just says, you're going to make it through this. I, I remember a bad breakup when I was in my early 20s. Okay, yeah, Drew's like, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I didn't, you know, 
totally straight laced over here. Um, yeah. So, but I remember my mother saying to me, cause at, at the time you don't have that experience. You don't think you're going to live. Your heart's just broken. And I remember my mother saying, you're going to make it through this. On a much more serious note, I had a good friend who got a call from her husband's office, the call that you would never, ever, ever want to get, that her husband had died suddenly of a terrible mm. heart attack in mm. his 40s in his office. And she had to get her three children from school with her parents and bring them into the house and tell them what had happened. And then I remember her son saying later, my grandmother said to me, you're going to make it through this. Sometimes it's just, we don't know how, we don't know where, we don't, we're all going to do it in a different way, at a different pace, but you're going to make it through this. Just someone else who can instill, help instill that confidence. Yeah. You think about those that are, are closest to you, whether they're family or friends or even in a professional environment, your team. One of the things I always tell myself when I'm faced with something like that is, is respond, don't react. Because that react, that emotion, it's such a powerful thing that you have to kind of step back because you have that influence to that person and you don't, whatever you're wanting to instill in them, you don't want to react to whatever that situation is. You really got to think about it. And again, you know, going back to kind of closing your eyes and breathing and, and thinking about the, the focus and isolating things and, and then think about how you can respond to that crisis as opposed to react to it. Yeah. But you have to be real too. You know, I think about some of what you've been through, Jennifer, mm-hmm. and just sometimes it's just a hug, you know, or it's just yeah. a what can I do for you? Sometimes it's that calmness balanced with care. You don't want to be so calm that it feels like you're uncaring um, and unattentive to what that person has dealt with. Mm-hmm. You know, and Jennifer mentioned threshold earlier and that everybody's got their limit, right? And you don't know what people are going through. Yeah. And if somebody's got adversity on top of adversity on top of adversity going on in their life, right. they, they're, they might come across in a different way than normal. Mm-hmm. And you may not know that. Um, so just being mindful of, of, and we've, we've talked about this in other podcasts of just caring for the whole person and, you know, not, not putting your nose in other people's business, but just understanding what's going on in your life right Right, now. Right. Yeah. That, that's a tough balance. I also interviewed the Marstons. They wrote a book, Type R, Transformative Resilience for Thriving in a Turbulent World. And they're a mother daughter duo in this book and a lot of research into resilience, what they call a type R leader. And I asked them, how do you recognize a type R leader, someone who who has this transformative resilience? And I love what they said. They said a hallmark of type R leaders is an ability to reframe adversity, to look at it in different ways and find opportunity in it. But but here's the thing that mirrors what you were just saying, because I, you know when people say, oh, find the opportunity, it's kind of annoying sometimes. But to find opportunity in it while also acknowledging losses, disappointment, stress, and real-world complexities. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes that's the hard thing, right? Either some people will be so mired in the, oh, how are you, and I'm stuck in this emotional kind of thing, and others are are way up in the brain and are just thinking about, well, let's reframe it to be positive or whatever. And it's that balance of reframing adversity while also acknowledging the reality of what you're dealing with, the stress, the disappointment, this complexity – And I really liked the way they put that and that resilience mindset. And we know resilient leaders when we see them. And it may be something major, like a horrible loss of a family member or somebody dealing with that. It may be dealing with the coronavirus and how do we deal with this. It may be a team thing where a major project on your team is not going to hit the deadline. 
and you're kind of stressed out and you're worried about, you know, how are we going to lead through this and bounce back and still get this project back on track? And it's the leaders that are able to reframe that adversity and still acknowledge the loss and disappointment that really matter. How has your experience been with that balance between those two things? Acknowledging, because it's hard to do, right? To acknowledge the the reality of it and still push and get those things done. Drew, do you realize you have to acknowledge that people have feelings? No, I, I do. Okay. I, I mean, when it's when it's serious, <laughs> yeah. Deep down, deep, he's like, deep just down, just get it done. Deep down, but but I think it's it's sometimes it's it's timing. Like you said, you know, at the funeral is not the time for the uh, for the advice, perhaps, right? It's it's true. I mean, time will heal a lot of things, but that person doesn't want to hear that right now, and and you shouldn't force it on them, you know. And it could be that way with a work project as well. Like it's not like we want failure at work. You know, right. we wanted that thing to work. We wanted that thing to go in on time. So deal with it and be okay with it, and then move on. Yeah, some of it's even understanding those external factors, you know, when you think again at work and it could be that there's, you know, a project, it's the dynamic within the team that's working on a project together. And sometimes it's that harder, more difficult path to take to be able to collaborate and learn and accept others for what they have to offer for that project, as opposed to saying, I can't work with that person, you know, take me off the project, you know, or I quit, I'm getting another job. It's, it's a hard thing to do to stay and power through it. One of the most powerful things, one of, I listened to Jim Rohn and went to many of his seminars, talked to him at length. He, he gives a little talk on the four ifs that make life worthwhile. And I won't go through them, but one of them was if you stay. And it was so important to hear that because it is so easy to run and just say, well, this is not working out. Mm-hmm. And he said, the problem with that is like it's digging a foundation for a house and then you run away and start another foundation. He goes, you never really stayed and put up the walls and the roof, and you're never going to see completion. And so there are times when, sure, you do need to run. There are times when it's appropriate to change. But if you stay, and when I think about staying, there's this incredible feeling of resilience. It is not always easy to stay. It is not always easy to power through. And yet I found the most growth in my career, the most growth in my life is staying and staying with that problem and seeing it through, mm-hmm. seeing it through. Because oftentimes people say, oh, well, you were so successful. And it's like, yeah, we were successful at the end because you saw this. But let me tell you, there, there were 450 yeah. failures. Yeah. But if I would have left at any time, it would have been a failure. But we kept going, not, mm-hmm. not just me, but the whole team, so that at the end, it was successful. But it was only because we stayed. So sometimes becoming a type our leader, as they were saying, this resilience is reframing adversity. That's what they say, the ability to reframe adversity. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's staying, Mm -hmm. right? That staying power means just by staying, we've ended up in a a better place because it is timing. It is effort. And you might find a way where there is no way. Recently interviewed Michael Hyatt, and he said, you know, one of the reasons for his success was just simply he's a – he's someone who's a hacker, and I was thinking about that with resilience, right? It's this this hacker mentality. What he's saying is, what he didn't say, but what I could see is he's just resilient. He's just going to keep trying new things until something breaks and he's able to find success. And that is part, I think, of becoming a resilient leader is you're just going to keep hacking. You're just going to keep trying things. You're going to keep reframing. You're going to stay. And then there's this power in staying that people know you're not going to desert at the first 
opportunity. Mm -hmm. I think that resilience mm -hmm. and staying, right, so important. We've seen this. And sometimes people don't quit, but they check out. That's not resilience. Right. You, we've seen it, right? Where where they've yes. they checked out? <laughs> yes, we have. Yes. And you're like, hello, hello, we're over here. <laughs> and temporarily, they may need, right? Tammy, you were talking about people cope in different ways. Temporarily, they may need to check out. That may that may actually be a healthy part of their process. But you as a leader have to steer them back in and have to talk about, you know, we need you. You might need to deputize you. We might need to to pull you back in in a, in a different way. How do you help people through those different stages where wherever they are so that they can reframe adversity, so that they can get back from their pause, so that you can get them back in the game? You know, you referenced earlier, sometimes emotions can be contagious. And, you know, I have a lot of basketball examples. All of life can be explained through a basketball example. <laughs> I was at a basketball game not long ago, high school boys game, um, important game. The team that I was there rooting for was down by 10 points, and there were two minutes left. Now, this is high school, so it's not NBA where, you know, you could expect maybe 20-point difference in, in two minutes. Right now, you'd expect nothing because they're all shut that's down. That's right. We haven't mm -hmm. seen. That's why I have to talk about it because <laughs> I'm, I'm in withdrawal right now. But this boy got a look on his face. And normally, high school boys at that age would look at the clock, look at the differential and score and say, you know, it's over. And they would just kind of play through. This one kid got a look on his face and everyone read it. He went down. He stole the ball. He shot two three-pointers. So now the differential is only four points. And the crowd went crazy. His teammates went crazy. The other team called a timeout because they, they could sense the momentum and, you know, were trying to kind of stop it. And long story short, yay, came back and actually won the game on a last-minute shot. It's a great example of contagion and one person just deciding, I'm going to stay. I'm not going to quit. Even if we don't win, I'm not going to quit. We're not done yet. And I think that people, whether it's a leader or someone else, they resonate with someone who says, we don't have to quit. We can keep going. Let's try something else. That's really good. And the fact is, life can all be explained through a basketball Basketball person. analogy. <laughs> that one person made a difference to turn and reframe the situation. And then what's so amazing is that person won the crowd, right? And so the crowd then helps to reframe exactly. adversity. And those two things together change things. When I think about the crowd reframing adversity, I, of course, immediately jump from the basketball crowd to the corporate culture. Because the corporate culture is that crowd. Mm -hmm. The corporate culture is the way that people can cheer you on, even in the midst of a potential defeat. The corporate culture is one that can encourage you after the defeat to get back into the game and lace up and get back in. The corporate culture is the one that if you win can propel you to the championship. And so I want to just take a moment to talk about how do we develop a winning resilience culture? How can you put that in place so that people can do that? And I've seen it go both ways where you have a culture where it's encouraging losing and you have a culture that is encouraging winning. The culture makes a massive difference in whether you can be resilient as an individual. How do you develop resilience in a culture? Well, I think you you be real mindful of, of how you react to failure, whether that's your teams, other teams. Um, the reaction you give as the leader will signal 
is this going to happen again? Is this going to be brought to your attention again or not? Because failure is going to happen again. But are you encouraging people to try new things, to get back up, you know, in the, on the resilient theme and say, okay, that project didn't work. We hate that. And we're going to give it a try on this one now instead. And to encourage that as a leader and say, that's okay. Let's not make a habit of failure, but one failure is not fatal. Right. And that not every, not every group, not every culture acts that way. Yeah, and I think it's reminding everyone of the, the possibility and the potential. What are we trying to get at? What's our end game? What's our roadmap look like? And then trust each other, trust yourself, trust each other that, you know, through mutual coaching and working together, we can get to that. And even if you do experience a failure, that's okay. So let's find a workaround. Let's we're taking a different path, but we still want to get to that end game because this is what we're all working towards collectively. Yeah, I'm thinking about what does playing to win look like? We've talked about that this year as part of our corporate culture, corporate strategy, competing and playing to win, not just to participate, but to win. doesn't mean I maybe personally am in the winner's block, but the team is in the winner's block. And as you were talking, Jennifer, it, it felt like that's part of what you need to do is say, what does winning look like? What does the roadmap look like? What does the end goal look like? And then we're playing to win. Mm-hmm. One of the other powerful tools that a leader has that is underutilized is the power of story. And I think sharing stories, I have shared stories of resilience in those difficult times. Sometimes it may be a movie where you show a a clip. Sometimes it may be quotes and stories from history. But most of the time, it's stories of the own organization. The organization has to realize, we've done this before. Not in the negative, we've done that before, we can't try it. In the positive way, we've navigated some pretty tough times and come out the other side of it. We will do that again. We have people here who have experience dealing with whatever it is. We are going to do that again. And that reminder gives people a pathway. I think it opens up your your brain neurons and everything fires up to say, there's possibility. There's potential. This does not have to end in defeat. I think one of the reasons, one of the many reasons you have some organizations that win perennially, whether it's a sports team or an organization, is because this mindset is so ingrained of, oh, we're facing this. We've done it before. We can do it again. We're winners, right? We are winners. We have the winning mindset. We're resilient. We can bounce back. And so uh, reminding people of those stories, and it, it may not be the big grand story of, you know... Changing the world, it may be a small story, but it may be, you know what? We did this before. We were down to the wire. We were behind budget. We were not going to hit the deadline. We rallied. We did some amazing things. And because of it, we uh, demonstrated success. How have you seen the power of story linked to building a resilient culture? For me, I think it's real examples, right? Because you're able to, while none of us want to fail, right? You eventually have them. And I think the reason people find stories of failure from a, from a leader endearing or realistic is it just – it makes you more normal and it brings you to the team to say, look, here is something that didn't go the way I wanted it to go. I'm still standing here today. We're still okay. It's an example that I think people can relate to. That That's what's nice about stories versus just saying, hey, you should be resilient. You're going to fail and you'll get over it. Right. Okay. That might all be true, but it just doesn't stick with people as much. I think reframing it to, it seemed like a failure, but it really wasn't. 
right? Because we learned this and because of that, we put it into the next thing. Or and here's how we dealt with it. And yeah. here's how we dealt yeah. with it, right? Yeah. And it's that ability to, to remind people the game's not over. Right. Right. The next inning is is just starting. And let's get back in there. Let's let's make it happen. And remind them there are countless times when we thought this was a failure, but it may not be, right? It not be what it seemed. And let's always reframe it and think. And I think the balance for a leader too is how do you reframe those situations without being overly Pollyannish and overly optimistic in a way that shuts people down in the reverse of you don't appear realistic. And I've had people do that in my career. And I've watched the CEO and I think you clearly have read a book that's telling you to do this and it's it's not real and and it doesn't resonate with me, right? Tell the truth. And when you do, like you were talking about, you know, hey, this is what happened. It resonates. And then you can say, we can fix this. And it's not always top down. And I think that's important, you know, to get them to share. Have you ever done this? And how have you ever reframed this? And how can we get past this? I think that was that's what makes a big difference in terms of being resilient. Yeah, sure. Instead of maybe looking at it as failure, just looking at it as a roadblock and saying, we can be creative. Let's put all our minds together and figure out how we can get over this or through this or around this. I think if you ask people questions too, tell me about a time when it felt like there was no way that good was going to come out of this or that you were going to be able to succeed. Think about that time and think about how you came out of it. You get people talking about their personal stories, whether it's something in their you know, personal life, their corporate life. And it, it gives people hope rather than hysteria. Hope versus hysteria is a good mm-hmm. is a good dynamic. Whenever you need to learn about resilience and doing the impossible and bouncing back, I highly recommend an oldie but goodie film that's a true story and it's Apollo 13. I mean, that to me I is amazing. I thought you were going to say Hoosiers. No, I'm not. <laughs> I don't it's even a good know. one, too. Yeah, Tammy's, good Tammy's one. struggling right now yeah. with this lack of basketball. <laughs> so, yes. We're sorry. I know. Thank you. I it, appreciate it. It will pass. Thank you. Just bounce back already. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Make a choice. But Apollo 13, right? Impossible circumstances. And yeah. look what they were able to do to bounce back from adversity and to find a way where there is no way. And so if we're trying to aim higher, let's all remember Lee Woodruff's quote, because it's great, it's true, and it can help remind us and our teams that uh, what looks impossible, and you think about the incredible experience she had to go through with her family, what looks impossible, you can get through. We are all made of incredible stuff. We are built to survive. And that is at the core of human resilience. We are made of incredible stuff. We are built to survive. And so I look forward to watching everybody deal with the current adversities that they're facing in the world, in their communities, in their organizations, in their lives, and to realize you are made of more incredible stuff than you realize, and you are built to survive and thrive. And we look forward to hearing your success as you aim higher. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher.